You're listening to the Maniverse Podcast with your host, Tom Traplin, and this is session number 115. Welcome to the Maniverse Podcast. I'm your host, Tom Traplin, and this is the podcast where we explore what it takes to build a successful, friendly local game store. If you like what you hear on today's episode, make sure you subscribe to the podcast on whatever fine platform you're listening on. And if you're listening to this on YouTube, hit the like and subscribe button and leave a comment letting us know your thoughts. As always, you can find the notes and links mentioned in today's episode at ManiverseSaga.com. Before we jump into things, Q4 is coming up and I am looking for more game store owners to feature on the podcast. So if you get an email or phone call from me in the near future, don't be too surprised. If you want a chance to tell the story of your game store and get featured on the podcast, I would love to talk to you. Send me an email at Tom at ManiverseSaga.com and you could be the next featured guest on the podcast. And I'm also looking for a few more stores that want to make the end of 2022 their best quarter yet. I'm opening up a few more slots for clients of the Maniverse Marketing Agency this month. So if you're either in the startup phase of opening up your game store and you want to kick things off with a powerful digital marketing strategy that's been proven to attract customers and drive sales from day one, or you're an established game store that wants to expand operations and use digital strategies like email marketing and paid advertising to grow rapidly, let's chat. Go to maniversesaga.com forward slash MMA, and we'll put together a custom Q4 marketing plan for your business and talk about how we can make it happen for you. Today, we're talking with Jason Garvin. Jason is the manager of Total Escape Games, a premium retailer of tabletop games carrying a vast array of role-playing games, card games, miniature games, board games, and more in Broomfield, Colorado. Jason is going to give us some insight into the origins of the store, uh, dealing with the day-to-day operations of running a large retail-focused game store, and how to manage an almost completely hands-off owner of the business. There's a little bit of an idea, anyways. Uh, so if you want to understand how to build a game store that runs without you, as the owner, being there all the time, this might be a good time to pay attention. Uh, so welcome to the podcast, Jason. Thanks. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. No problem. Glad you, uh, glad you could join us today. So... Uh, typically the way that I like to start things off is to kind of explore some of the background story, you know, like, how did you get to where you are? You know, why are you, why are you in this industry? Why are you in this part of the business? You know, like, give us a little bit of a, give us the Jason Garvin origin story. Yeah, absolutely. So the business obviously predates me a bit. Um, so Total Escape Games itself opened in 2009 to Steven, um, one of the owners with his wife, Sheila. Um, they had worked in software for decades, but were essentially looking to do something that they loved, something that they'd been passionate about their whole life, as I think a lot of people end up opening game stores. Um, and so they've done it for a number of years, and at a certain point started to kind of hand things off to management, um, and we're looking more towards retirement, more towards taking it easy a little bit more, and we're realizing that there were a lot of great people in the business who knew how to run it really well, and they wanted to kind of get out of those people's way to allow them to do so. Um, so that's kind of where I came in. I started in 2017, so about eight years into the business, um, and I actually originally started because of my organizational skills and my knowledge about magic. Um, so I started at the business because we had just bought a 200000 card collection, and they needed somebody to sort it. <laughs> so I offered my services. Um, I had just gotten out of college a couple of years prior with a psychology degree and wasn't quite doing anything with that yet. Um, so I jumped on, started sorting cards, and 
from there, just started taking additional responsibilities, realized that to get the best out of the cards, we needed to redo our infrastructure of how we handled singles, both buying and selling, started to take that over, and, you know, just from there, continued to progress upwards through the business and continued to help grow it and refine it to be as good as possible, both for employees and for consumers. Very cool. So very gradual process, just kind yeah. of a natural flow and a kind of, you know, you take on more responsibility as you kind of get more used to what's happening and have a better understanding. Yep. Uh, so did you, did you intend on like working your way up the ladder to become the manager or was that no. just, just kind of a natural thing, right? Yeah, that just kind of happened naturally. I had essentially intended to treat it as some part-time work for a while, earn a little extra money and you know, work with something that I enjoyed at the time quite a bit, which was magic. Um, and I kind of just figured that at a certain point, the project would end and I would move on to whatever else I was going to do with my life. And instead, I found that I loved the work environment. I loved my coworkers. I loved the store. I loved our customers. And as I got more and more engaged with that, I just sort of naturally took on additional responsibilities to try to just continue to push us in a positive direction. Awesome. Awesome. So... Uh, give us a sense of what the game store is like. What is Total Escape Games? What's it all about? You know, like what is a, I guess, how does it function? You know, like what what yeah. are the day to day elements of uh, what you do? So at its core, we are a retail business. Um, so we're selling all sorts of hobby supplies, tabletop supplies, and you know, games, paints, accessories. Um, so as far as retail goes, we have a very big focus on allowing our customers to kind of come in and shop from us from the start to finish of their hobby, whatever that hobby may be. If it's magic, you know, come in, get your first deck, get the singles to upgrade that deck, get your card sleeves, your deck boxes, your play mats, whatever you need for that. If it's miniatures, it's, you know, get your first box of minis, your first tools, your paints, and, you know, continue to explore the hobby. And then that ends up tying in with our event space, which, of course, most LGSs offer, um, mm -hmm. as a way to kind of use their experience with those games and provide to them a space with which to play. Um, because as part of trying to help give a space and an opportunity for people to explore their hobbies to the fullest, we want to not only provide their retail needs and what products they need, but we also want to give them the opportunity to put that stuff to use, be in a community, have people to play with, to enjoy their hobbies together, to make new lifelong friends, and to know that there's a game space for them where they will always feel included and valued. Makes a lot of sense, right? Classic game store yep. structure, <laughs> game space. You know, you've got the community that you're building places or building around. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, exactly. So, so one of the things that's been said uh, before by some other people in the industry is that, uh, you know, if you're smart enough to run a successful game store, you're probably smart enough to do a lot of other things that'll pay you a lot more money. <laughs> Frankly. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I guess the question is like, why do you... Why stick around? Why keep going with the games business? Like, how do you feel about the future of uh, the game store and the, the future of the industry? Sure. So, yeah, I actually, like, I do software development on the side. Um, I do a lot of design work specifically, so UX work. Um, I'm working with a small startup currently, and that's something that I enjoy doing, but I'm a naturally introverted person, so even at the most basic level, being able to actually go in the store, interact with my staff, interact with customers, have a social outlet is hugely valuable to me as a person. Um, it gives me an opportunity to just like all of the other customers who come in and want to hang out and socialize. It gives me the same opportunity just from the other side of the counter. Um, 
So partially, I just, I love getting to go in, see my regulars, see my staff, greet new customers, make those new connections, hang out with people, get to know the community and be a part of it. Um, and then I also just enjoy how varied the work is. It's really never the same day to day. There's always going to be something different going on, some new problem to solve, some new product to source. Mm -hmm. um, and so the thing that I've really come to love about running Total Escape Games, running FLGS, is the work is never done, and I'm always adapting and changing my practices and learning new things, and that's a big part of who I am and how I like to engage with work as a professional. Awesome. Sounds very fulfilling. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Like, there's obviously difficult days where the point of sale goes down, or CenturyLink has a massive outage, which happened just a few days ago, where we just had no internet whatsoever, or, you know, there's always those difficult customers, but most of the time... And, and even in those situations, it's really just problem solving, right? You're trying to figure out ways around things, ways to handle things, new ways to engage things, what that customer is actually seeking and why they're upset and how to resolve that with them. Um, obviously, in CenturyLink's case, I can't really do anything about that. So it's more just a matter of working around it. But yeah, it keeps me on my toes. It's fun. It's interesting. And I mean, I get to work around all the hobbies that I love and enjoy myself. Yeah, pretty good stuff, right? Oh, yeah. So I think that's the, I, the big appeal. I'm, exactly. That's, that's why so many people end up getting into the business is because, you know, it's love and passion for the products and the games and the community, right? That's, mm -hmm. that's almost a universal, at least from what I've, uh, what I've experienced mm -hmm. talking to people for a while now. Yeah. Uh, so I'm, I'm curious, what was the transition like once you started taking, like, you were officially, okay, promoted to manager. We're looking for a manager, you know, Stephen and... and Mm -hmm. And company want to like start backing away and, and start uh, being more hands-off. Uh, what was that process like as you started taking on more responsibilities? And also, you know, what is it like kind of having the owners there, but also having the responsibility on your shoulders to kind of take care of the day-to-day -day stuff? Yeah, definitely. So actually, when I started, we had a full-time manager and his assistant running the business largely. Like Steven and Sheila were pretty much already totally hands-off. At that point, I'd still see them a couple times a week. They'd come in, maybe clean things up a little bit, maybe pick up a couple products for themselves, see how sales are doing. Um, but largely, that was very infrequent, even at the beginning. Um, but what kind of happened is we were pretty small when I started relative to where we are now. And so as we started to grow, more things needed to get done, and I would continuously step up to that. Our manager would kind of reach out and be like, you know, who needs to, who wants to do this? Does anybody have any interest in taking on these responsibilities? And if it was anything that I even had a little bit of interest in learning, I would usually volunteer myself. At this point, I was still part-time. I had plenty of free time, so I was more than happy to take on those projects. Um, and then as I started to do well with those projects, I would start to actually approach him to offer suggestions, possible improvements, things that I noticed that weren't going as well as they could that could be better, or things that I noticed that were going well but that were a little bit more inconvenient than perhaps they needed to be. Um, and so he and I developed a really strong working relationship such that I ended up being the event manager for about two years, um, mostly just because of my passion with the community, my activity in the magic community especially. Um, so I kind of took that over for us and really built out our event suite as a big core part of our business, more so than we really ever had. And then when he left in 2020, it kind of just left a gap where myself and at the time our other manager, Tim, kind of both stepped up to assume a lot of his responsibilities in his absence and across the two of us kind of took over the full leadership of the business. 
Um, and so that was really the point that I started having to interact with Stephen and Sheila. Um, so up until about the point that I really took on the full management position, I didn't really interact with them at all. They pretty much only worked into the business through John, our previous manager. So if they needed things, they would reach out directly to him. If he needed things from them, he would reach out directly to them. And pretty much nobody else on staff ever saw or heard from them. Um, it kind of let us keep a very clear hierarchy. That's not quite the word that I want to use because we have a very flexible and collaborative staff, but it allowed us to have a very clear system of communication where if you heard something from John, you could trust that it was what needed to happen and that there wasn't a Stephen and Sheila on the side telling you something else or derailing you. Um, yeah. Like you could always trust that there was one source of truth where that was really what you needed to be working on. And so when Tim and I took over, we inevitably, you know, kind of took over that role as the filter between the owners and the rest of staff, um, which has actually largely been pretty easy. Um, thankfully, John had put in a lot of the infrastructure ahead of time, so there wasn't a whole lot of new roads we needed to delay in between there. Um, there was already a pretty clear sense of communication and expectations from both sides. Um, so really it was a lot of him and I getting more familiar with Stephen and Sheila, um, having a couple of individual meetings with them where Stephen could kind of get a better sense of us and what we could handle without him. Um, and then a lot of it was really just building up trust. So, you know, he had previously always trusted John to run the business. So when John left, there was obviously a little bit of shakiness for him where he was hesitant about where things could be going because he didn't really know who was steering the ship at that time. And so we just continued to reassure him, continued to execute tasks as well as possible, exceed expectations, take on projects. Um, the big one was actually that we did a full website and email server migration recently. Um, and I basically headed up that whole process and ran everything myself. And I think really that turned the corner for where Steven kind of implicitly understood, like, this guy's got this, I can trust him, to where he could finally kind of pull back that last little bit like he had with John to fully become absentee again and not feel like he needed to be checking in so much. Gotcha. Yeah, trust is a long-term process and it takes time to build. Yep. Especially when, you know, you are being entrusted with this person's baby slash livelihood, you know, mm -hmm. valuable asset. Like there's lots of things, right? Lots of things. <laughs> Definitely. What you're taking on and, you know, you go from one person that, you know, can handle it to somebody who's potentially, you know, got potential, but not a hundred percent certain yet. So yeah, a little bit more of an unknown quantity. Yeah, exactly. But it's, it's interesting to see or to, to hear how the process went and how you kind of developed this, you know, method of communication and the building of the trust and how you've You've got established a a working relationship that allows you to run this business in like in a lot of ways, essentially as if you 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 own it yourself. Yep. Yeah, I mean, in being fully hands off, the only thing they really ever do themselves or need to do themselves, thankfully, is really the accounting. Um, so basically, they keep total control over reaching out to the accountant directly and to our bookkeeper. Um, and they sort of oversee all of that themselves as kind of like the final stopgap to make sure that everything financially is going the way that it should, that there's not missing money, that obviously everything is accounted for properly and things are being run the right way. Um, and then assuming they don't see any problems with that, they pretty much just leave us to do everything else. Like, we'll just run everything. Um, and then obviously whenever inevitably some sort of accounting discrepancy does come up, because anybody who runs a business can tell you that it happens. Um, yeah. 
they'll work with us and we'll all just investigate different avenues until we can really get to the bottom of what it was. And usually it's, you know, a lost receipt, something that we didn't account for properly, something that got lost in translation between us and him, um, or even sometimes him and the accountant. And thankfully, usually it's been pretty intuitive to figure out and hasn't caused any sort of massive problem. <laughs> Yeah, well, good. nothing nefarious, just yeah, exactly. old math not crunching properly. Yep. All right, so let's put ourselves in uh, a game store owner's shoes right now who's listening to this podcast and thinking, wow, this sounds great. This is exactly what I want. I want a manager to be able to take over my stuff. I want to be able to step away. And, and you know, when you first start the business, most of the time you've got, well, a lot of the time uh, game store owners have this vision of like, oh, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to be surrounded by the things that I love and be able to enjoy them even more, right? But then the reality is it's it's hard work, right? You're spending hours and hours doing the business, not necessarily enjoying the hobby anymore. Yes, yeah. But theoretically, there's a there's a light at the end of the tunnel where you can say, okay, I can maybe I can get to a point where the business is, you know, an, a system in itself and it's the operations are established and the people are there and the team works and everything's good. And I can actually step back to be able to enjoy the way the, the hobby in the way that I did in the past. Mm -hmm. uh, so my thoughts are like, okay, if there's a, a game store owner who's listening right now thinking like, I want a manager for my business, uh, what, as the manager, what is something that you'd be like, uh, make sure that you do this, make sure that you avoid doing this. Like what mm -hmm. kind of tips could you give a store owner who's looking to find a manager that they can work with? And then as, uh, as a manager, I guess, what kind of tips could you give store owners for like negotiating and working together with their manager? Yeah, definitely. I think that's really the key element. Um, you can pretty easily find a manager for your business, but you're not going to have as easy of a time finding a manager who's willing to run it for you. <laughs> um, and, you know, a lot of managers, and fairly so, need some amount of guidance or expect some amount of guidance from the store owner. Um, and I don't think you can necessarily look to, or I mean, I think you can, but I think it's way harder to try to hire a manager with the expectation that they're going to eventually take over the business and that you're going to step away. Um, I think you really, in most cases, are going to be better off finding a manager who you think will be a good fit for your store and then slowly growing that relationship with them until it hits that point. Um, I think you can get into a lot of trouble if you're trying to bring somebody in, especially from outside of your business, with the expectation that they're just going to be able to take it over. Um, especially local game stores, I think, are... And it's more so than you would think, but it's really varied work. It's complex. There's a lot of moving parts. There's a lot of intricacy to it. And there's such a steep learning curve that I don't think realistically you can bring somebody in from outside the business who hasn't worked in it already and isn't familiar with how you do things and expect them to be able to run autonomously within any amount of time, really. It, it varies from business to business. It varies on how much you're doing. It varies on if you're doing magic singles, if you're doing other game singles as well, because those tend to be a lot of the big operational headaches, um, especially used video games. Stuff like that can be a huge drain on resources, even though it is super rewarding if you do it well. Um, so like my first point of advice would just be either find a member of staff that you already have that's looking to take on additional responsibilities and who's engaged with the business and give them that opportunity or find somebody who's looking for the opportunity to learn how to run your business with you and bring them in as your manager to train from there. Um, so once you have a manager, whether that's you know somebody who already knows your business or somebody who doesn't, then you can start to build your relationship with that person. And I really think that that's the absolute key to being able to step away and to having a successful manager. Because um, you can pretty easily bring in a manager and 
essentially treat them as a funnel for the things that you need to get done where you give them everything that needs to be accomplished and they delegate to the rest of staff and manage those tasks for you. But I don't think that's a great way to end up with an autonomous manager who's going to run the business for you. I think the only way you can really achieve that is to empower your manager to make the decisions themselves and to be there as a safety net for when they inevitably make some mistakes. Um, and so if you can build that collaborative nature where you trust them and they trust you and you're working together, not so much one over the other, it gives you a much healthier working relationship to where they know that they have the freedom to kind of explore the business on their own, explore the opportunities they're interested in, and then come to you and pitch those ideas to you and that you're actually going to hear them out and take them seriously on those ideas, even if you don't necessarily go with them all the time. Um, and I think if you build that inroad with them and you empower them to make those decisions themselves, it starts to teach them independence and you can't have the life as a, you know, hands-off owner if you don't have an independent staff. Um, and that can be scary. That's, it's really hard as a business owner. I mean, even for me as a manager, sometimes it's scary to be delegating something to somebody who you maybe don't know for sure can do it or don't know how they're going to do it. And at a certain point, you have to trust yourself that you've hired the right staff and that you can trust them to do those things and that you know, be open to the possibility that just because you have an idea of how to do something, it doesn't necessarily mean that's the only way to do it or that it's even necessarily the right way to do it. And so, you know, definitely <laughs> be open to feedback, be open to correction yep. or be open to having somebody come at you with a slightly different approach and, you know, that you might be wrong. Right. Yeah. You got to be open. Um, and I don't think this is the only way to do it by any means. I know a couple of other instances where they do things a little bit differently. Um, and I think that you can still be a very part-time owner where you are sort of overseeing the manager a little more closely and you are sort of building out their list of tasks for them and then there you're trusting them to handle that from there. Um, but I think if you really want to be like a full hands-off owner where you're really entrusting the business to somebody else, that needs to be somebody that you've trained to understand the business inside and out. And it needs to be somebody who has the skill set to be able to run the business themselves. And it needs to be somebody that you trust implicitly to do that without oversight. Gotcha. No, I, I definitely agree with all of that. Uh, I guess the follow up then is, you know, as the manager, what, uh, I guess, what are your pet peeves in dealing with a, uh, an owner? Like what's, what's the thing that'd be like, please never do these things because it's much easier when you do it this way. Yeah. Or like what's, what's the best practices for, for interacting with somebody in uh, your position? Definitely. So I try to be a pretty relaxed manager. I try to have very few of those things. Um, just because I've noticed that whenever I get stressed about an interaction with the owner, the rest of staff kind of feed off of that. And it puts kind of them at odds with the owner because the owner is somebody that the rest of the staff really never interacts with. So I really want to be a positive bridge between those two sources so that if they do run into the owner or the owner does happen to need something of them, it's not kind of like an adversarial relationship. Um, but even saying that there's definitely some things that can really like grind your gears as a manager when you're just kind of trying to get things done. Um, so one of those is just micromanagement. Like if you're trusting me to do things on my own, trust me to do things on my own. Don't check in on me every time. Don't ask for status reports. Don't, you know, see how I'm doing every day or see where I'm at in the process. Just trust me to get it done. Um, if you want me to check in with you at the end of it, give you a rundown, give you a report, that's totally fine. But set that expectation with me in advance so that it's not right at the end of the project and then you're telling me you want me to write a report so I can kind of be doing it along the way. Um, and really a lot of it just boils down to clear 
and consistent communication and expectations. Um, if you expect me to run the business on my own, trust me to run it on my own. If you want me to check in with you about certain things, be receptive to me when I do check in with you on those things. Don't seem put off or impatient or, you know, worse, not reply to those things. Um, trust that if I'm reaching out to you, it's for a good reason and I actually do need something from you. Um, and then the big one is just hear me out when I have ideas for the business, even if they seem scary or even if they're not necessarily a thing that you might inherently want to do. And trust that the people that are working in your business and running your business have a good reason for why they want to do things. So one of the specific issues that we come into every now and then is... We're entirely autonomous right up until a contract needs to be signed or a new service needs to be brought in where it actually is legally required that the owner be the one to set that up. Because at that point, I have to bring Steven in. He has to do some work. He has to do some research on that company. He wants to understand better exactly what our intention is there, why we need that new account, why we need that new distributor, why we want that new service, whatever it is. Um, and that can occasionally cause a little bit of friction when you know, everyone internally on the staff is on the same page that we want this distributor, we want to carry this product that only they have, or we want to set up different terms with this distributor for these reasons, and here's where it's financially advantageous, or here's where we can get more product from it, or whatever it is. And, you know, he ends up dragging his feet because he either wants to do research on his own, or because he doesn't necessarily have the same context that we do, so he's a little bit confused or hesitant to make that change. And that's totally fair from his perspective. Like, I definitely understand why somebody would feel that way as the owner, especially when you're entering into potentially binding legal agreements. But, again, this comes back to the same idea that if you're trusting me to run your business as the manager, you need to not be an obstacle in my way of improving things. And I don't think Steven ever really is an obstacle. I think he actually handles that very well on his end. He's always very receptive to talking with us. And if he does have a concern, he'll actually schedule a meeting with us so we can all kind of review it and get on the same page so that we can move forward with it in some form or another. Um, and that's a big one. It's just, even if you think you might not want to do something, at least hear out your manager, at least hear their context and give that some real thought before you make your decision. That is good advice, especially on the micromanaging part of things. Sure almost <laughs> everybody universally understands that micromanaging is not a fun thing to experience and not mm -hmm. a fun thing to be on the receiving end of. And if you're going to hand off the reins to somebody to take care of your, your uh, business, uh, yeah, actually give it to them. Yep. Don't give exactly. it to them, but then like hold, hold it back and be like, no, no, I need to... I need to always be aware of what's happening. It's kind of, <laughs> and if you have concerns, that's okay. <laughs> like if you have concerns, it's okay. Like you're human. That's totally normal. Like you're the business owner. That's your right. But just like, you know, address that with your manager, communicate openly with them about what your concerns might be rather than just reacting on those concerns and kind of obscuring what's actually going on. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Okay, so uh, what are some tools that you use every day that you probably like couldn't live without? What are, what are some things that make the running day-to-day uh, -day operation of Total Escape Games like smooth and effective that you uh, you might you would recommend to other store owners? Yeah, definitely. So we have a few different tools. Some are software, some are not. Um, so on the software avenue, we use Discord to manage our entire community. We have like an 850-person Discord server where people coordinate games, where we kind of solicit products ahead of where we would on other channels to kind of reward those people who are engaged with our business. Um, and it's also where we post a lot of staff resources in private channels that only staff can see. 
Um, and so it's where we post schedules. It's kind of a hub of resources for staff so that they, if they have a question, if they need to know something that's going on, they can check those channels and they have access to that stuff off the cuff without having to actually reach out to anybody. Um, we use Facebook Messenger to just kind of have a more casual discourse amongst ourselves. It's usually not used for like urgent, hey, I need something right now incidents so much as just like building team morale and being sort of a community hub where just the staff can all interact with each other. Um, we use Trello to organize and track tasks, assign people to tasks, and see where we're at in certain processes. Um, you don't really have to use Trello, really. It's just have some sort of either Kanban board or something that helps you organize your operations and where you can actually see what people are working on transparently. Um, obviously, we've got our point of sale. Our point of sale inside it has all sorts of automation set up to make people's lives easier as the staff. Um, and then the other big one is that when we made our email migration, we moved over to Google Workspace. Um, so everybody on staff has their own Google Workspace email with the totalescapegames.com ending. Um, and that allows them to access the employee uh, Google Drive, which has all of our resources as a business on it that we want accessible to all of staff. So that's marketing images, product descriptions, um, copy for various ads and such. It's comprehensive procedures, troubleshooting procedures, um, all sorts of internal resources that I won't bore everybody with on top of that. Um, and a lot of that is very tailored fit to our business. Yeah, it's it's all sorts of like, some of it's even pretty loose. Um, like some of it's even just pictures of big memories as a store, big milestones, moments that employees did something really cool. Um, we even have some memes in there that we store. Um, just because it, it builds staff morale, it gives people a hub where they can find all that stuff, lets them bring up their memories and kind of joke with each other about, oh, do you remember the time that Freddie did this or that Gwen did that? Or um, So as far as software, that's really most of it. We have just a lot of ways that all of our staff can have the same access to all the resources that they would need to run their everyday life. Um, on top of that, staff have phone numbers of anybody on management so that if they do need something urgently, they can give us a call. Um, generally, they're encouraged to use that. Like if it's, you know, if you need something right away, we definitely encourage people to do that. Um, and then inside the store physically, we also keep certain stockpiles of resources so that staff have access to those and that we have access to those. Um, and that can be as simple as office supplies or snacks for staff so they don't get hangry and so they always have access to food if they need to. Um, and then, you know, all the way up to acrylic table tents and shelf talkers and anything the staff can use if they want to highlight a certain board game or rearrange things a little bit um, and where they're kind of empowered to handle those projects, where there's tools, paint, that kind of stuff in case they just need to fix something on the fly. Um, and so really a lot of it just boils down to having a lot of resources and making those resources available to everybody in a place where it's accessible, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, they give give your team the resources they need to succeed and yep. then also encourage a culture of success and teamwork and thriving compatibility and all yeah. kind of collaboration and everything that you want. As and the collaboration is huge for us. That's really our big, it's really the fundamentals of our business really is trying to make sure that everybody on staff collaborates with each other and enjoys each other's company and that there's no sense of competition amongst themselves or, you know, I need to make this sale versus you need to make this sale. And like, you know, people are encouraged to pass off customers if the other person is more knowledgeable or has more time, switch off between tasks, help each other where needed. 
um, and everyone's kind of encouraged to maintain a casual, friendly atmosphere with each other and are empowered to express their own personalities. Beautiful. It's exactly what you want to hear. So I feel like we could ask, I could ask you probably another, you know, two dozen questions, <laughs> probably talk for another hour, hour and a half about this kind of stuff, but I want to take up too much of your time. Sure. Uh, so I want to just close on one final question, a little bit uh, a little more philosophical, but, uh, you know, if you had, I guess, one piece of advice that you feel like is something that every game store owner should hear. Is there something that they should be thinking about, like, right now, 2022? What's something, what's the most important thing that games owners should be keeping in mind right now? Wow, just one is hard. <laughs> I've got, I think, two or three that are big. I'm going to try to pick my favorite here. So I think, I mean, there's, like I said, there's a lot of things that I could say about this. And there's, I think, a lot of things that are important because this business is so complicated and is so fiddly. But if we want to talk about current climate, I think really the thing to keep in mind right now is that employees expect a certain quality of life. And if you're used to managing in a more old school fashion, or you're used to being a more entry level job, I think that you're going to struggle. And I think that the best approach right now, especially is to really invest in treating your staff well and making your staff happy and empowered at work. Because if you do, they're going to handle a lot more for you and do a lot better and be a lot more autonomous and be a lot more engaged than if they're unhappy or if they're stressed or they're feeling micromanaged or any of the other things we've even mentioned just from the owner to manager perspective in this conversation. Mm -hmm. Like this really is, I think more than any other time I've seen, this is the period where employees expect to be treated like people and they want to be treated like people. And your customers will appreciate if they see that and your staff will appreciate if they see that. Um, and obviously I know that this industry doesn't always have the most disposable income and doesn't always have access to the best resources when it comes to things like employee benefits. Um, so my advice is really just, even if you can't afford to do it the way that you would like to do it, find ways to do it creatively and within your means to still appreciate the people that are essentially running your business with you. That is a very good point. And I think that is a perfect place to wrap up the episode. I think that's a great final thought. Uh, where, so if people wanted to get a hold of you or find out a little bit more about uh, Total Escape Games, you know, give us your, your info. Where can they find you? Yeah, definitely. So I am Jason Garvin on Facebook. Um, I'm also on Instagram under the same name, or it's either it's either that or Jason A. Garvin. Um, that's pretty much my username on every platform you can find me. I don't have a Twitter. Um, and email jason at totalescapegames.com. Um, I check it frequently. It's where I do a lot of my work from, so I'm always very responsive on there if you have specific questions. Um, and I'm always happy to take a little bit of time out of my day. Um, if you want to reach out to the business, store at totalescapegames.com is our most direct contact. Um, we also have a contact form on our website, totalescapegames.com, and we're Total Escape Games on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Discord. Um, and there's a link to our Discord server as well on all of those other platforms, which will take you straight there. Perfect. Well, thank you very much for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate you giving us your time, insight, wisdom, all your experience. And uh, yeah, this was a really fun conversation. And I, well, I, I'm hoping to you know, continue the conversation in the future. Yeah, absolutely. Happy to be here. Really appreciate your time and your taking the chance to have me on. No problem. I think it paid off 
uh, exactly as I hoped it would. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. So if you're listening and you know you want to reach out, make sure you connect with Jason. And I'm very responsive. I can attest to that. Uh, <laughs> more than happy to hook you up and answer some of your questions. Uh, but that's going to be it for this episode. And uh, we'll talk to you again in the next one.